0: Well, welcome to week three of our sermon series entitled Dirty Bible Words. I pray uh, that you have caught uh, weeks one and two on forgiveness and on submission, uh, whether at our downtown campus, The Core, or our North Appleton campus here at St. Peter. If you haven't, you can find them on our YouTube pages. We'd love to have you check them out uh, to see the truths God longs for us to know uh, about his word as we live in a culture that might define these differently. So I got a question for you. What's wrong with the world today? If you're taking notes, if you are uh, looking at the outline down below, write down three things that just pop into your mind. What's wrong with the world today? The odds are pretty good that just by hearing that question, if I gave you even just 30 seconds, most of you would come up with three just like that. You probably could come up with five very quickly if I gave you the rest of the day, you might come back with a page and a half full of all the things that you think are wrong with the world today. And my guess is that as you thought about that question in a very quick manner, certain things rose to the, uh, the top of your mind. And they probably were things that other people in this room right now or watching us online also thought of. Like if you Google it, what's wrong with the world today? Most of the ones that I found earlier this week had a lot of similarity. Like in a broad way, in a general way, what's wrong with the world today? At the top of almost every list is poverty. Like you and me and many, if not most Americans, have no clue about how many people in our world, the percentage of people in the world, live in poverty. Maybe another thing that rose to to mind was war. War. Maybe for some of you, what, what you came up with is because of our American climate today, but it's something that's probably true of many people worldwide. You, you came up with the polarized political scene that we have today. What's wrong with the world today? Like some of the lists that I looked at had that as well. In fact, some of the lists that I looked at went a little bit deeper and further as they ranked them in the top 25 on uh, after they talked about politics and how polarizing it is in our world today, they, they included in the rest of what's wrong with the world today, liberalism. <laughs> but right below it, fundamentalism. <laughs> like the two sides of the religious world and spectrum that influence and are affecting our polarization of politics. <laughs> like, and you may have had, might have had other ones that you came up with. The truth is, what's wrong with the world today there are a lot of things that we might see or think. But I'm guessing none of you put this on the list. I didn't find it on any list. Our word for today, doctrine. Like some of you, when you hear that word, are like, I don't know what that means. Okay, I'm glad you're here. We're going to explain it. We're going to talk about it. You might wonder to yourself, it doesn't sound like a dirty word, pastor. (laughs) Like doctrine in and of itself doesn't ring a bell, doesn't spark anything in my heart. Like Last week's word, submission, like, ooh, that gets me uh, ready to pick up the gloves and start fighting. Or next week's word, hell. Like, for many, that's a dirty word to even utter it or mention it. But doctrine? So today, what, what I want to do is, is help you see that what doctrine means, what doctrine is, the significance of it, and when we define it from God's perspective, what makes it a word that the world would say is dirty? They don't like it. Like it's not just the word itself, it's all that goes along with it. And in order for you and for me to be on the same page, in order for you to know where we're going today, I want to give you a roadmap, four things, that I I think are important as a part of this conversation when it comes to this word. Because many people in our world, once we unpack it, maybe some of you will think it, we'll see why it's dirty and agree that it should be a dirty word. So understanding what the word means and its significance in our world today, the world's culture, is important. Like having understanding of the word and its significance uh, and going a little deeper is important. Then I want you to be able to understand what God means by the word doctrine when he puts it in his word and how that plays out for us. Then we're going to unpack and talk about why it's actually a dirty word. So once we know the word, understand the significance of the word, see what God says about the word, we can wrestle with, talk about, and dig into why it's a dirty word in the world. And maybe for some of you, you would say a dirty word in your life as well. And then finally, after understanding all those things, understanding why this word, doctrine, and God's definition of it, is not dirty but such a beautiful an important thing, why it matters. Four things to understand that I pray you'll be blessed by as we unpack dirty word number three. So let's get our definition. Doctrine, in and of itself, look it up in the dictionary. Here's what a doctrine is. It's a set of beliefs. It's a set of truths. Uh, It is a set of things that that one compiles together that are your convictions. The definition itself, a set of beliefs, convictions, tenets, teachings, uh, however you want to define it. Like we did before in our service, we said a creed. A creed is a statement of faith. In many ways, creeds unpack doctrines, (laughs) beliefs. The Apostles' Creed unpacks the doctrines of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Doctrines are a set of beliefs by definition. And for the most part, when you hear the word doctrine, it's almost always attached to a group. Like church bodies, church organizations. Churches have a doctrine, a set of beliefs. You go to any webpage of any church, you go to any webpage of any denomination or church body, the odds are pretty good at somewhere on the top, in one of the tabs, they will have a what we believe. They will basically lay out for you what their set of beliefs are, what defines them. Doctrine. Doctrine. But it's not just religious organizations that have doctrine. Politically, the word applies as well. Like if you're a history buff, you've heard of the things like the Jackson Doctrine, the Monroe Doctrine throughout history for America. Sets of beliefs that were governing foreign policy, different policies, doctrine. And while Republicans and Democrats don't use the word, the reality is that those parties have doctrines. They call them platforms when they get to their... Their big conventions, like these are our platforms, our pieces, but political parties have things that they believe that cause them to operate the way that they do to, to maybe elect the candidates that they choose. And you could go further in life when you're a member of an organization. Most organizations organize around doctrine, like from 4-H to the VFW, to other places, they have a set of beliefs. Uh, That's a part of what makes up their DNA that governs and guides how they act and what they do. And so most of you probably get it. Like you think of doctrines and a set of beliefs, and it means it's a part of an organization that you're a part of. And and so some of you here today are saying, Pastor Tim, I, I don't follow any doctrines. Like maybe you're not a part of a church, maybe you've not joined our church, 922, you would say, my set of beliefs is not determined or defined by a religious organization, I'm outside of that, I have my own, so I don't have a doctrine. Maybe you're one of those in our world today who cannot align themselves with Republican, Democrat, or any party, and you call yourself independent, I don't really have a set of beliefs that a group holds to, therefore I, I, I don't have a doctrine when it comes to politics. Maybe I'm not a part of an organization outside of myself. And that's dangerous to think of doctrine, a set of beliefs, only through the lens of a group. Because here's the truth that you need to see about the word and its significance it's a set of beliefs, and when it comes to sets of beliefs, if you're taking notes and filling the blanks, everyone has a doctrine. Christian or non Christian, atheist, agnostic, Lutheran, Catholic, Republican, Democrat, American, Canadian, like it doesn't matter where you live, who you are, how you align politically, where you are at on the religious spectrum. At the end of the day, everyone has a doctrine, a set of beliefs. A set of beliefs about God, a set of beliefs about the Bible a set of beliefs about identity and gender, a set of beliefs about, about marriage and, and finances. Like, everyone has a doctrine. Like, let's take one of the easy ones that I just talked about that's not going to, like, push any buttons today because I want to be careful before you get up and leave. Think about your finances. Like, everyone has a set of beliefs in regards to their finances. Are you a spender or are you a saver? You have a, a doctrine. Like you might view it through the lens of percentages. Like every paycheck, X amount goes out to retirement. X amount goes into savings. X amount is spendable. X amount is put in the vacation fund. You have a, a set of beliefs that is governing how you act in regards to your money. Doctrine. <laughs> and so I need to ask you the question with all those things in mind, that everyone has one, that it's a set of beliefs, what is yours? And even more importantly, what is it that is shaping them? I'm going to come back to that question a little bit later in a little more detail, but I want you to think about that right now. You have a doctrine in regards to God, religion, all the things going on in our world today. What is it that is setting the tone for them? What is it that is causing you to have that set of beliefs? Understanding the word and understanding its significance that you and I have one is also something God knew was important. 2,000 years ago, words I just read earlier, God knew and the Apostle Paul knew that everyone has a doctrine, a set of beliefs, which is why the Apostle Paul to another pastor named Timothy said these words that I read just a few minutes ago, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and watch your doctrine. Watch your life closely. Watch your doctrine closely. And he put an and right in the middle. Like there are ham and eggs pair. You can't separate the two. God knew, and the Apostle Paul by inspiration knew, the reality that, that everyone has a doctrine. And to view it closely, to watch it closely, mattered because your life is attached to it. If everyone has one, and a doctrine is a set of beliefs, and you are to watch your life and doctrine closely, then we would say this is true, and here's the why. This is an important discussion for us. This is why, when we talk about it being dirty, why it's so important for us, Paul says to watch it closely, and here's why. What one believes affects how one behaves. What one believes, your set of beliefs, affects how one lives, behaves. What one believes, what your doctrine is, what your beliefs are, will affect how one lives, acts, behaves. Like what one believes about marriage and God's gift of sex, what one believes about authority, What one believes about things that we've talked about already in this series, religious things like forgiveness and submission, what one believes about next week's topic, and I'm not going to dig deep into about hell, what one believes about that will affect how one behaves, how one acts, how one lives in relationships for God in our world, and it will guide your path. It will affect and influence your roots. What one believes affects how one behaves. It's why the word doctrine is so important. Because what your set of beliefs is, what it's based upon, will affect the outcome of your life, here in this life, and and for eternity And all those things make the word significant, help us define it and understand it. And with that in mind, I want you to understand what God says about it, what God's view of doctrine is, what, how God expands on it. If he only uses the word six times, what does God want us to know and understand about it? Well, let's look a little further as he writes to another pastor named Titus. He said this, he, referring to Titus, or pastors, leaders in the church, he must hold firmly... To the trustworthy message as it has been taught. In other words, hold on to, watch closely the the Word of God that's been taught so that he can encourage others. Here's why it's important for a pastor to be in God's Word, hold firmly to the trustworthy message of God so that he can encourage others with sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Like when God says there's doctrine, he doesn't say there's a smorgasbord or potluck of beliefs that are valid and acceptable. When God looks at doctrine, he says there's sound doctrine and not sound doctrine. He doesn't say there's a wide variety. He doesn't say this is like going to the Golden Corral and picking and choosing at the buffet line what you like. Like, Pastor Tim, go dig into all the things that you like that are fried and ignore the cauliflower and broccoli. It's not like a pick-and-choose buffet. Sound doctrine is opposed by wrong doctrine. Everything else, doctrine. And even a verse later, he comes back to it. Go back one more point to that. You must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And maybe just maybe because the words. Doctrine is only used six times. You've now heard it three times. The best way to understand what God means by doctrine is to look at that other word that's used here and a few other places, sound. Because that word's used in a lot of places in the Bible. It's used to describe the servant that Jesus healed of a rich man. And when he got back home, they told him that his servant was well. Well. It's the same word that's used for that servant as is used here. Healthy, not sick, not ill, sound. We use the word the same way, right? Someone is of sound mind. Someone's health is sound. Someone has been out traveling on a long trip and they get home and they are safe and sound. Well, God says healthy doctrine. Sound doctrine is the trustworthy message of God and His word. What's been taught to you, Titus? What's been taught to you, Timothy? So let's take a look at what God would say about that word. If sound doctrine is based on the trustworthy message, why does that qualify? Well, Proverbs 30 says this every word of God is flawless. Sound doctrine based on the trustworthy message, why is it trustworthy? Because when God speaks, it's without error, unlike human beings on their own. For you've been born again, Peter said, through the living and enduring word of God. It's alive and it's eternal. It's last. It's not of a time or for just a time. It is enduring through time. Sanctify them by the truth, Jesus said. Your word is truth. The night before he died, in the upper room, praying for his disciples, he said, Lord, sanctify them. Through your truth. Your word is the truth. A few hours later, the, the ruler of that area, Pontius Pilate, looked Jesus in the eyes right before he condemned him to die and said the question, What is truth? Like for Pilate, there was no authoritative truth. For Pilate, you know, things changed as time went on. There's no authority from a spiritual perspective, even in a worldly perspective. How do you know what is true? Your word is truth, Jesus said. And all scripture is God-breathed. So doctrine is a set of beliefs, everyone has a doctrine, what you believe determines how you behave. God calls for leaders in his church, God calls for pastors, God calls for Christians to have sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, well doctrine, because it's good for your soul, it leads to eternal life, it is the truth. If you're looking for a definition that we're working with, and here's where it's going to get dirty for a lot of people, when God says, follow sound doctrine, oppose everything and anything that goes against sound doctrine, sound doctrine is this God's inerrant, inspired, unchanging, encouraging word. It's God's, He inspired it. It's God's from beginning to end, it's inerrant, it's flawless. There are no errors. It's unchanging. It's living and enduring, and it is encouraging. It gives hope to the lost. It gives peace to our soul. It points us in the direction of joy that is eternal from God, all things this world cannot offer. Like, sound doctrine tells you that there is hope, that there is an ultimate peace, that there is only one way to heaven, that there there is and are truths that govern how we live our life here on earth. Like God's word declares all those things, and now you probably have sensed the rub. Because that goes against the world. That goes against American culture in the twenty-first century. That there there is an authority. That someone else declares what the set of beliefs should be and what shouldn't get included. Because let's just be honest for a second. Like who doesn't like the spiritual potluck buffet? Like I love to dig in the word and find the text that that speak to your problem or your problem or their problem and give them the hammer. But I like to avoid the spiritual broccoli that applies to my issue and just bypass it because I don't like it. Or, how about this? Like, there are doctrines that the Christian church, that God's word sets up beliefs around things of our world today that if we spoke against them, the sound doctrine that God says should be your beliefs, it is politically incorrect. Because the world says otherwise. So what is it that's shaping your doctrine? Are you someone who likes the the potluck nature to, to spiritual doctrine, pick and choose? What's shaping your doctrine? Is it the secular or is it the sacred? Like what lens is shaping your doctrine? Got two sets of lenses up here and you know, they serve different purposes. These ones help me see clearly so I can read because I'm getting old and my eyes are going bad. And these help block things out because I don't want to see the sun when I'm outside. Might not need these. Anyone else need these for this year? I might never see that again. <laughs> like, let's call these the sacred and call these the secular. Like, if I'm viewing my doctrine through the secular lens, it's my truth. It's my body. It's my rights. It's my money. Who are you to judge? It's all about me, what I want, how I view it. And when it comes to doctrines of the Bible, I'll I'll view it through the lens of of what the world says, what my friends say, other influences it have on me, anything but the Bible and God. Like what lens I view it through, is it secular? Is it biased? Is it tainted? If these are the lenses, my beliefs will determine my behavior. It just will. But if you put on the the sacred lenses, it's not my truth, it's God. His word is truth. It's not just be you, you do you. It's God designed you to be who you are in his eyes. When it comes to my money, if the secular is guiding you, it's different than the sacred, which says, it's not yours. Everything belongs to God. It's only on loan. Like when it comes to marriage and sex, when it comes to the language that you use, when it comes to heaven and hell, when it comes to how you get to heaven, when it comes to every last thing, the sacred is different than the secular. So I need you to wrestle with, which one is guiding you? And if you want to know what's guiding you, look at your behavior. How you're living. What you're accepting. Because that'll help you understand what you're believing. And what's your doctrine. And this wasn't anything new. It's not new in today's world. It was going around a long time ago, and here's why. It's a dirty word because it's not what we want to hear. A time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead of suit their own desires. They'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Like, they'll not put up with sound doctrine. Like, they'll just say, no. I don't like it. Not going to do it. I don't care. They won't put up with things that are healthy. They will take in and desire things that are bad. Things that enable them to live how they want to live. Like, and it shouldn't shock us, right? Like, just think of food. If we're talking about healthy for our souls or not healthy for our souls, think about the foods that you like to eat. (laughs) Like, join me some Friday around 11 o'clock at draft, and I'll show you bad food but so good. It's a burger with brisket and bacon on it, and instead of just getting the cheddar cheese that they offer with the chipotle sauce, I smother it in in moody blue cheese. Like we're talking 3,000 plus calories in 30 minutes going into this mouth. And I will do it every Friday because it is that good, but it is so bad. You know what I don't like? The healthy food that my wife makes me eat. I get to eat. Monday through Thursday, cauliflower rice with chicken breasts. No fried food. No seasoning, like no barbecue sauce, like just some salt and pepper. That's it. But it's good for my body. It's sound. Like if you want a sound skeleton, if you want a sound body that lasts, that is healthy, you need to put things in it that are good for you, not bad for you. So once a week, I break down. I call it a cheat day. It's okay. I got a book that tells me it's all right. See, my set of beliefs is right there. Spiritually speaking, this is why people go down this path. This is why it's a dirty word because they're itching ears. They scratch them and they find somebody who will tell them it's okay to live that way, to believe that truth, to not believe that truth. God says, if you want to know the truth, what sound doctrine is, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't just go to my website, or our website at 922 and look at what we believe and accept it as truth. You need to be in the word to hear the word. I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. For some people, they don't like the Bible's doctrine. And you know what they do? The lens secular, they look at it and go, that's outdated. God's an old fogey. It doesn't apply to me. Sound doctrine, eternal word of God. You can argue with me. We don't have to agree on it. But I'm going to look at what God says about his word and let it determine for me what's sound. Don't just take your church's word for it. Don't just believe your pastor is of sound doctrine. Like dig into it. And here's why. Like it's dirty, you know why it's dirty now, the individual is nature of our country, that we don't like everything, good for us, bad things are appealing to us. I, I want you to see this truth. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, if you persevere in them, here's why you watch it closely. Pastor Tim, leaders in the church, any Christian, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It is of eternal consequence to have sound doctrine, to have healthy doctrine because it leads to eternal life. See, sacred lenses, biblical lenses Ones that look at God's word to let God set what is right and wrong, to determine our beliefs in in, in all things, spiritual, how we live. Secular lenses do not get us to the place God wants us to. Sacred lenses, if you're taking notes, lead us to find sound doctrine. And sound doctrine, and here's why you want it, will produce and lead to spiritual fruit. Like, you know why Americans push back so much on doctrine? They call it, you've been indoctrinated. You've been brainwashed. <laughs> right? They'll say all these things. Because America is maybe, of all societies, the most individualistic nation on earth. Individualism is a part of our DNA. Thomas Jefferson, when he wrote the Declaration of Independence, took a lot of what he founded from Thomas Locke, who was the, maybe the founder of individualism. Like, everyone has rights. (laughs) Everyone has the right of peace and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't define what that is. It lets you define what it is. And it's only grown over time. And you know what most of us push back on, us older people? I need you younger people to hear this. I am sorry if you're Gen Z or younger, you're Gen none, whatever, And we complain about you. You're all about you. You make it all about you. You want your job to be about you. It's our fault. We coddled you. We made it about you. We ran you to every last thing, put you in every last program. So I am sorry, but tell me, how how is life when it's all about you? Are you anxious? Are you nervous? Are you concerned about what the future holds? You don't know if you're going to make it? Am I going to have enough money? Like, that's our fault too. Those secular lenses have not produced the spirit's fruits of joy and hope and peace that is found in Jesus Christ alone. The the answer for an anxious heart is the peace of God. (laughs) Not a good job, secular or sacred. Your purpose in life can be overwhelming unless you understand your purpose in life. Is to know the love of God and that he loves you. Like, your identity is not what you do. It's what God did. Like, getting this right is life-changing now. Getting this right is eternity-changing for you and for me. Because at the end of the day, sound doctrine matters because at the end of the day, at the center of all doctrine, my friends, is what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You want to know why sound doctrine matters? Because all doctrines, all roads doctrinally lead back to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. When it comes to sin and what it is, when it comes to heaven and hell and what it is, when it comes to our life and our identity and who we are, Jesus Christ is at the center of doctrine. And sound doctrine that leads to eternal life is found only in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. That's why it matters. And it's why I'm glad that that our church, not perfect, we don't get every application probably right, but our church is is built on sound doctrine, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. It's why I pray you'll join me in celebrating 38 young people standing up in just a few hours by the power of the Spirit at FEL to to confess their faith, and they're going to make statements, I believe in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. His word is the inerrant word of God. God. Those Jesus roots have produced fruit. Like, thank the Lord for the instruction and teaching that they have been able to learn. And I thank God for that doctrine. And then it's sound. Because my son was one of those who, who wrestled with the secular and the sacred. Like my son, when he went to, away to college, after all those years of being indoctrinated in our sound doctrine, hit the real world where all his friends believed different things some religious. And so he questioned. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't take his dad's word for it. He didn't go to my website, our website to prove it. He dug into the Bible, and he saw it. And he understood the significance of sound doctrine because at the end of the day, all roads lead to Jesus Christ and without Jesus Christ, we don't end up on the road to heaven. So I pray for our church. I pray for you that, that in a world where there's so many things that are wrong. And while this word is dirty, sound doctrine is so right. And I pray that you can appreciate it too, even though it's hard sometimes to hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the, the confirmands of 9 2 today. The world they're going into from this point forward, many of them are going to leave behind Christian education. Some of them uh, will, will never have the word Bible mentioned again in a literal class that they attend, so I pray, Lord, for them. Like their Jesus roots you created, their Jesus roots you strengthened. I pray, Lord, that you bless their Jesus roots in the years ahead as they go through the high school years so that they might experience the Spirit's fruits. because the truth you have said, Lord Jesus, sets us free. Lord, I pray that that you might bless all of us in a world that's so hard because the secular is real. It appeals to us. We don't much like it sometimes when doctrine is is hard and it excludes us from the equation and makes you the authority. But Lord, I pray that you humble our hearts, help us see the area of our life where our behavior is being determined by false beliefs and and have the sound doctrine you would have us so we can live for you because we don't want to miss out on life with you.